0: Hey everybody, welcome to Neurotica. I'm really excited for today's episode because this is the first episode where somebody actually reached out to me. Uh, They listened to the first episode with me and Tony and uh, heard Tony traumatized and thought, let me get some of that. Um, Although we're going to flip the roles a little bit today, I'm going to be going in the blind. So I want to introduce my guest, Justin, to the podcast.
1: What's going on, Cody? Cody.
0: Uh, not too much. So if you're on Twitter, uh, you know Justin more as uh, Jalen underscore town, right? Yeah. J- yeah. Town? Is that how you say it? Yeah. Like Allentown? Yes. Um, so why don't you go through what made you reach out to me and then what you kind of want to accomplish today?
1: All right. So I, I honestly thought it was a great idea, somewhat poking fun at traumatic situations, given that I've had some traumatic situations in my life, and I haven't always been very public about them as much as other things pertaining to mental health and myself. So I had a lot of fun listening to that and like realizing that Cody has a sense of humor about these kind of things the same way that I do. And so I reached out, and then Cody posted things about having anxiety and PTSD and everything, and I was like, that's exactly where I'm at. I feel like this would be good kind of to clear myself of some of these things, but also to have a little bit of fun with it. So,
0: Yeah. And I think it's really funny because I was talking to you right beforehand about how like my therapist was not happy about the first episode at right. all. She thought that like, not only am I traumatizing Tony, like I'm bringing up stuff for <laughs> myself, like it's a risk. And the really funny thing about that was it's like now this episode, we're doubling the risk here. We have two people <laughs> with PTSD talking about traumatic events um, I know we're going to talk a little bit how that led to you going to therapy. Uh, we'll talk about a little bit on my therapy experience, but just want to know, we put some safe words into place. If at any point either one of us feels uncomfortable, we will stop recording because we don't want to set each other off, but I think for the most part, we'll just have a nice little conversation about this, um, and I'm going to throw it over to you now because you're going to cold tell me your story. I have not heard any of this beforehand. It's the same thing with Tony. I'm reacting this to this the first time like everybody else listening.
1: All right, so... As far as my mental health goes, I was first diagnosed with depression at 13, um, then at 15 was diagnosed as manic depression, and that's when I first started to go to therapy at that point. It was in college that I was told that I had anxiety, and anxiety really made sense the most as a diagnosis based on the fact that so many of my, uh, symptoms had become physical when I was in middle school and everything, just, uh... Normal nervousness around, like, projects, tests, whatever, I would find myself in the nurse's office sick, and it just made sense, because those have gotten a lot worse in my adult life, where I'm constantly sick over really minuscule things. I think that's a pretty basic description of...
0: Yeah, and I, like, everybody knows me, um, knows that I've had pretty consistent stomach issues, and um, they actually calmed down now that I've gone on some medication. Which we're not really going to hark on as much today, but I think, you know, the physical aspect of the mental is always there, and I don't think people know that as much. And that's another thing where, like, you talk about the mental health stigma, you're like, no, like, literally, I wake up every day with a stomach ache because the world makes me nervous. (laughs) Like, the idea of waking up scares me.
1: Yes. So, that one made the most sense. Um, And as things started to, like, after a couple years, started to get a little bit better, I started going to therapy again in the late stages of 2016 after a few years off and things started to get a lot better. Then I moved away, I had a, you know, new job, new life essentially, and didn't really look into therapy kind of just fell on the back burner. It wasn't something that I was actively pursuing going to anymore. I was kind of so but if you get away from it for a little bit, My head was all over the place. I was having issues with everything. Yeah. So, finally, um, say over the last few months or so, I started going back. And when I went back in February, I was diagnosed as having PTSD over the event that landed me in therapy the first time when I was 15. So, um, I'm going to talk about that incident specifically. So, when I was a sophomore in high school a kid that sat at my lunch table and I won't sit here and tell you he wasn't harassed by other people he definitely was but he kind of like looked at everybody in the whole group as one and there's probably times that I could have put something more as an end to it could have spoken up but you know I barely interacted with this kid to begin with he was just there to me and you know I was with my friends whatever so, this kid starts making pretty serious threats, tells us he's going to take us out, whatever. Um, and the threats just kept getting more and more dark and serious to the point where he was telling us, you know, I'm it, it, he laid out a whole plan. He's like, I'm going to bring a gun to school March 27th. I'm going to take you out first, take you out, take you out, take you out. Um, and he kept telling us this, and this is probably, like, early March, so, like, he's given us the game plan, telling us when it's gonna happen. Um, it wasn't until, and we went forward to our principal, some other people, like, pretty soon after that, we're like, okay, this is getting to be, like, too much, like, I think this is a kid that's very serious about it, very capable of something like that, and as, uh, as it just kept evolving, he was making threats to more and more people, more and more people coming forward about it. I know there was a girl in my class who he had said that he was gonna rape and murder, all this stuff, and so she finally went forward about it. And at that point they started to take the threat more seriously. But to that point it'd been probably like two weeks of us going almost every day, like, hey, he said this today, he said this today, he had said this, he said he's gonna bring this type of gun, he said he's gonna bring it, he's gonna come in this entrance telling us like all these things about his whole playing for the school and everything. And they never took the threat seriously until probably about like a week before it would have been carried out. The the date. Right. And at that point, uh, the principal brings us into the office, all, all of us that have come to see him for a few weeks now, and is telling us, you know, we did look into it. This kid has been expelled. There were guns in the home. There was a floor plan of the school. There was all these other, you know, details. There was, you know, names. There was whatever. And for some reason, like, this never became, like, a huge story. And for whatever reason, the public school that I went to at the time had a reputation to be able to sweep that kind of news under the rug. Like, it was no big deal. It made it into the paper. It made it, like, the sixth page of the local paper Wow. being, like, uh. Basically like a terrapat foil at a high school, and they didn't really make a big deal of it. Yeah, and so, do you remember what year this was, specifically? Uh, 2000, it would have been March 2006.
0: Okay, so this is post-2001. Right. But it's, you know, we're not in that realm of consistent school shootings where we are Right, right now, no, so. definitely not. Um, And, you know, this kid is giving you this countdown, playing it like it's Hey Arnold, like... Twelve days, <laughs> three hours, two minutes, twenty six seconds till you die, and yeah. like people are just like, "What the fuck?" Like you right. guys, when nobody's taking you seriously, and then like obviously there's mental health things going on with him that it just completely oh, yeah, being absolutely. ignored. But that's the interesting thing is like when you always jump into this mental health debate, it's always well like, "Oh yeah, we don't need to take away guns. We need to take we need to help people with mental health." But it's like me and you. The mental health ripples through us we're right. not we're not going to go get guns like no you're especially like probably <laughs> like guns a lot less these days or maybe you're yeah love with it i don't know but like yeah it's it's interesting but yeah i mean thank god obviously nothing right. progressed because your ptsd would have been a little bit more clear like you know PT- oh yeah
1: like sounds and stuff would set it off the way yeah and like Like you said yeah
0: ptsd is more for soldiers and right i
1: always thought of it like until i was diagnosed in february this year like i always thought of ptsd as being associated with veterans people had served in you know iraq afghanistan friends of mine that i knew that had it were triggered by noises things like that so it wasn't something that i thought of but as i did more research after being told that that was a possibility of what i had it made total sense
0: yeah and people thinking that you know ptsd connects to some one moment like my ptsd you can say well maybe it's that one moment your mom jumps out of the car and like right. that it's a very like poignant point but yours is stretched over time but just the consistent anxiety and stress you must have felt yeah like to come out of that i'm assuming the kid got caught you heard he's expelled you like a little sigh of relief but you were yeah. like you didn't go the next day like so,
1: Haha, awesome now, cool. that like, point, like by the time that he had been expelled i had uh I had to skip school for, like, a couple days. Oh, yeah. Because I, I, uh, I, I basically had let everybody know I didn't feel comfortable being there. Who knows if he's going to move this up? Like, he was telling us March 27th all along. Yeah. Who knows if he's going to move it up a couple of days. Whatever. I didn't feel comfortable going to school. My parents were totally okay with me staying home for, you know, it was a whole thing. Like, I, I did yeah. not feel comfortable going to school. It's got to it build trust issues. Life. Like...
0: You won't listen. I mean, it's not like this kid was looking for attention. This kid had the tools. He had the plan. He had the date. There was intent there. And everybody's just saying to you, like, ah, he's just a weird kid. Right. And, you know, I think one of the things I'm going through in therapy right now is I I had this tendency to beat myself up. And I started to realize, like, you know, I was bullied to some degree, but I also bullied people. And that's a hard thing to admit and come to terms with because... I'm 25 years old. I grew out of that and started to realize, like, no, fight for the little man. But I still think of myself as a huge piece of shit. Yeah. And that's like, people know me like, and no. That's I- like
1: what I was saying at the very beginning, where like, I definitely could have put a stop to it. I was sitting yeah. there as my friends that were doing it. And I, <laughs> like, I didn't personally partake in most of the things being thrown around, but I laughed. I thought it was like, yeah, and all I, like, fun.
0: I. You know, I look back now and I think, you know, what if I had pushed someone too far? And that's a selfish way to look at it. But I do feel bad that, like, any part I played in someone's life that could push them to that degree. And that's, you know, something that's hard to reconcile because you can go back and apologize. But you can't really undo that. And I, I there's one thing we talk about therapy is Like, a lot of times the person who hurt you is the person you want to, like, heal you too. Right. But something like that is just so different. Yeah. It's, it's not like... You know, you're coming from a relationship that's not like, you know, we dated and I hurt you somehow and you had good feelings for me and I turned them toxic. It's like, we never liked each other and now I have to come back, like, you know, my heart in my hands and say, please accept
1: this. Yeah.
0: But for you, that's completely, like, you don't ever want to see this kid. Like, you saw him now, that would, that'd be your trigger.
1: Right, so, um... After the whole situation kind of, I, I don't know if I would say took care of itself, but they... It took care of it. itself? <laughs> yeah. He man. was he was expelled, yeah. Yeah, they, uh, they made him go away for a little while. Yeah, he went to a um, farm
0: upstate. Yeah. <laughs> Wanted to get some cigarettes and with, never came back. With, with my dog.
1: Yeah. I had a blind cat that ran away at one point that definitely oh. wasn't gonna come back comcast it, guy let him out to say
0: he ran away your cat ran in a direction it didn't know it was going away it's yeah. a blind cat so
1: the comcast person came to install our cable and left the door open cat got out and there was no chance of her ever coming home Oh goodness. so the, she's at the same farm upstate with
0: well you know the thing is a blind cat might have actually made it there if, yeah. I, if I was going to bet on anything i bet on the blind cat <laughs>
1: But yeah, after I went to the farm upstate and the situation uh, took care of itself, there were still murmurs around the school and everything of, you know, who had been on the list, who was high on the list, all this stuff. And like, I was apparently presumed to be number one on this kid's list. Wow. So I was told, and yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's factual. I don't know. But that was something that I was told. And as that got around, people were like making jokes about it, and like I want to make jokes about it now, twelve years later. Yeah, but like we're like you know, number sixty nine in your programs, number one on your yeah, your kill your, list. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, at the time, like I was not ready for that, and I had teachers who in class would talk about it, talk about the situation that transpired, and would be like, well, you know he was a good kid like I don't know and they like tried to make it I don't know that I mean so that for
0: me like hearing that like that must have stretched you psychologically in two different directions because one you're probably asking yourself well what did I do yeah like how did I get to target did I do something wrong and I didn't realize it so that's you know that's I think probably the first thing you probably went through and then number two like you know he's a good kid it's like who am I? Like, yeah, why am have, I? Yeah, honestly,
1: that was the one that, like, I couldn't stand, was, like, people telling me he was a good kid. We had, I mean, it was a substitute teacher, it was an art teacher. i remember exactly who it was. Like, they were like, hey, he was a good kid, you should feel bad about this. Yeah. Basically, I should feel bad that my life was on the line. Yeah. And that, then I'm made out to feel like shit, because I came forward about this kid possibly killing me, and several other people, not... Just me.
0: Yeah, and I, I wasn't there, but, you know, I think this substitute teacher has a case, and you probably were being a huge piece of shit. No, <laughs> there's, like, that's just one of those things, though, like, and that really makes you, like, it sounds like you had that experience that we all have at some point when we are like, our teenage years, like, nobody listened to me even though I'm an adult, but, like, you had a real problem. So yeah. that that's what makes it so hard in that, like, growing up phase of, like, when you have the real problems and you, like, you know those are real and you try to communicate them, but everybody knows like you're a teenager. Like you're going to be dramatic about yeah. everything. So it's the boy who cried wolf when you have a serious thing. Now, one thing I'm going to ask you though, keeping that in mind, cause this happened, when you your 15. Yes. And I'm sure what you've noticed is something that I've noticed. And this is my other diagnosis that my therapist specifically gave me. She's not big on like, she doesn't want to commit that I have depression or anxiety. I believe they're completely true. And I've been diagnosed by like just a, you know, uh, physician. But my therapist is not big on the diagnosis. She doesn't necessarily believe they're true. But the other one she told me other than PTSD is adjustment disorder. So what adjustment disorder is essentially when something new happens in my life, I freak out. Like no matter if it's positive. We right. talk about constantly I have positive crisis. <laughs> and it's essentially like I'm in, I guess, what they call a little bit of rest of development where there's parts of my life I don't know how to progress past because I'm still like – I don't know how to be an adult like and you know I talked a lot on my podcast about like you know growing up poor or isolated stuff like that and you go okay well now I've got money what do I do with it and yeah. I'm sure for you though it's like you probably have trust issues that like are locked in at that fifth like right. age 15 yeah and I, sure. I don't want to speak for you but like you know you just started going back to the therapy right there's PTSD so what made you want to go back I mean I know obviously. You said your brain's all of can So I that. honestly,
1: to extent, I kind of was triggered by the, uh, the shootings in Florida, the, uh, Marjorie Douglas High School Parkland, Florida shootings like that. Yeah. That was happening. And especially the pushback against the kids that were the survivors. Yeah. The ones that had experienced this and people making them out to be crisis actors, whatever. And that seems to come up a lot. Especially so you're when, the original crisis. Yeah, happening. I was I was basically, the whole thing was a false flag. Yeah. Um,
0: but you, you can watch that and relate to them. Yes,
1: like, exactly. So, I mean, I get a lot more heated over these type of things than the average person. And I feel like the average person should probably be pretty fucking heated about it anyway.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that's kind of interesting, though, too, is like we talk about, like, you know, we're trying to laugh about it now. This is yeah. 12 years later. But people got on those kids when they were, like, smiling in a picture. Right.
1: It's like... You're pe- not allowed to live a life other than what, like, they... Their picture of you has to be this... Yeah. You're, constant fear or whatever, like, or, like, rage or whatever they... And it's, it's this weird their thing. first is perception like, of you is.
0: Yeah, it's like, you, if you went through something so bad, you should continue to feel bad. It's like, oh, great, thanks. Like, I should be feeling my PTSD at all times. Right. Um... But yeah, I think that's really like interesting that you went through that because you know, I I'm gonna take the reins a little bit and talk about yeah. who I am a little bit. Oh, I always thought my depression was situational. What I didn't realize is that what I thought situational was is that things are shitty right now. I'll get a better job, get more money, move somewhere, like it'll go away. And I thought I had cured my depression. So this is my story of how I ended up in therapy. For years, I had had issues. It wasn't like one event triggered me to get into therapy, but essentially, I, you know, had all these issues. I really worked on myself. Like I trained myself to do these things, like I could present in front of people and all these things. And I remember being so angry at video games. Like I played FIFA. I was the guy who was ready to like <laughs> punch himself in the face. Yeah. And my friends, one time, they had to stop playing. Basically, had an on-the-spot intervention for me about FIFA. They're like, dude, we're trying to have fun. You're about to cry or scream, and like, you, we can't do this anymore.
1: Did you see the uh, Joel and Bead hot ones yet? Yeah, yeah. It was, like it Joel and Beads like
0: uh, tell people they're like shit and talk and shit. Say, T. J. Let McConnell them know they was suck. Gonna throw the uh, controller. Yeah, TJ McConnell's right. with the right. controllers start crying. Like, <laughs> I was TJ McConnell, <laughs> but the thing was, like, as soon as they said that, never again I got angry at the game. Like, you, like I'm sure when I'm playing alone, like maybe online, like I get a little angry, yeah. but like. I never let a single one of my friends see me have an emotion. I was very cognizant of everything I was doing wrong. There was, like, for years, I couldn't make eye contact. And I realized, like, I'm going to start going to job interviews. If I don't make eye contact, I'm not getting a job. So I forced myself. Like, it used to burn for me to look into somebody's eyes. Now, when I'm aware of it, like, I'm like, oh, crap. Like, (laughs) but it doesn't burn anymore. And that's completely, you know, psychological. I had all these issues, tons more. Like, I mean, I've already talked to someone on the podcast, but there's a lot underneath here that I'm just, like... I haven't had enough minutes to talk about, but I thought I cured it. So to, in, the, in that vein, like I moved to Philadelphia and I consider that still to be the best move of my life. I moved here. I got a couple friends and we started working on comedy. So that was like a creative thing for me, but I didn't like my job, but I could like go to my job and actually be excited to get home and work on these, this creative project. That started to Peter out a little bit, but I finally found a new job in the city because I was traveling out of Delaware, had road rage for the first time in my life. <laughs> And Delaware's from where I was from, but it sucked to live in Philly, travel in right. Delaware. But I needed to get to Philly for mental reasons. Yeah. So I got a job in the center city. It was paying more, better opportunity, easier work, like, for what I wanted to do. And then getting settled all that. New Year's. I'm like, ah, oh, maybe I'll get a New Year's kiss this year. Not only did I get a kiss, I met a girl that I, like, you know, went on some dates with, like, fell for her, and things were going well. And I'm like, oh, man, like. You know, things are on top for me right now. I just moved to a great city. I've got a great job, great pay. I got this girl. There's only one thing I really want left. I'm going to get a dog. So I adopt this puppy. I'll sit right now. There's an episode to come all about that because some of the people know me know about that. But that was its own stressor. But a week into me having this puppy, the girl breaks up with me, and I don't want to get too much into her stuff. But she was going through some mental health stuff. Yeah. And that's why it happened. And, you know, that's already, like, a ripple effect oh, into me. I don't me. think,
1: like, I've ever dated anybody that wasn't also going through mental health. So, yeah. I which... Just, like, there's, like, a magnet, like... Oh,
0: yeah. And the, that, I never and had an indicator. This was, like, the first person, like, that I really dated where... Not that I said I only dated people that had mental health issues, but the first person I dated I would never believe that they would stop being strong anyway. Like, I was just yeah. like, this is a confident person. Like, great. And we broke up. And... We were kind of on and off talking for a while. Yeah. And I thought I was going to come back together, but she was drunkly texting me. I gave up. And she came back and said something. There was just a whole mess there. I'm raising this dog alone, and I'm getting more and more shut into my house, and I'm getting anxiety. The job just gets hard out of nowhere. My manager starts micromanaging me. They gave me this huge client that is just unmanageable to some degree. Things just start falling apart at once. And I'm like, I'm finally going to do it. I'm going to do a therapy. So I go to therapy and, you know, at first it's the thing I look forward to during the week that gets me through the week. Right. Recently, it's been a lot better. But I literally hit this point in the middle where my therapist was like trying to check if I was lying. Yeah. And we recently had to have a conversation like, I don't think you're coming into this room with all of you. And that's such a weird thing. And what I realized is, I was going to therapy afraid of what I would hear if I was being honest. Yeah. And I was, I was starting to lose my mind. And like, I was, I was on the brink, like things could not have been worse for me. And the one thing I was using to help myself, I was just basically like, no, like, I don't want to go to that deep, dark place in here. Like, I just want to, you know, say everything that happened in my week, like shitty (laughs) at this person. And I was just so afraid of what I'd hear back though.
1: Right, and I think I, like, I've been there before myself, where even there's times where, like, I've gotten frustrated because there's kind of, like, it's their job, but there's, like, pointed, leading questions that, like, yeah. you just aren't either comfortable or don't want to talk about right now, even if, like, it is what's best for you. Yeah,
0: and, like, there is that, like, attempt to appease a little bit, because, like, your therapist might give you something to do. Right. And you might not do it. Like, I get breathing exercises. i Like, oh, yeah, I tried it. Yeah. Like, but I think you know another funny thing was just like uh you know i feel like for years i was like all right somebody tell me what's wrong with me. give me give me a diagnosis and this lady wouldn't but it's also scary to finally figure out what's wrong with you because you know something's wrong with you
1: yeah Oh. Absolutely. and then they
0: say it and you're like i carry that forever and you know you can get better and you know that some of your stuff might be a ptsd where it's just event it's not really your brain's broken or anything like that you could work through the event and maybe one day you'll get to this place where you're just truly happy but there is this also this thought the other direction that you don't even necessarily be the kind of person that thinks you know i want to commit suicide or my life sucks but you will always have this little thought in the back of your head that says i can never go back to the time before i knew what i was
1: right and that ignorance was bliss yeah and I, i to that point like i really can't remember too much before my first ever diagnosis, where yeah. I'm just like, at that point, and in each phase, because I've been diagnosed as four different conditions, like, each one, like, it's its own chapter, essentially, like, they're broken, there. there's a whole, like, I don't know, like, 21 to 24, I don't really even, like, remember anything about those years for myself, because I wasn't going to therapy, I didn't feel anything, I think I was, honestly, I was just so buried in other shit that, like, I just don't really re- recall any type of emotion, any type of whatever, maybe I was on too much medication, maybe I was not going through whatever I was supposed to go through, like, (laughs) I just, honestly, like, I didn't date during that period of time, I didn't, like, there was just nothing going on in my life, I was working, like, and I just, you didn't process, like, you
0: just, you just decided, and I've done that, like, it's, my, like, when I, I was told I had adjustment disorder, it was like, you read all the things, you're like, you know, it basically sounds, like, you're just going to ruin your entire life because you're just going to be anxious to all these things. You're going to avoid all of them. But my therapist was like, no, like that means a lot of things. to be used, like, school as a coping mechanism and then jobs. It's like, yeah. But as soon as that, like, I remember even this year, like, thinking about going home from work when I was working on something, not enjoying the thing I'm working on, but thinking if I go home right now, I'm going to cry. So I'm going to sit here and keep working. Yeah. Because once you go home, all that other stuff is real. When you're at work, it's task A, task B, task C project one, project two, like, you know, those things are just stretching this like, you know, finite world of these are the tasks you need to do a job. You go home and your brain can go in any direction and you start thinking like, if I go home, I'm going to need to drink. I'm going to need to do some drugs. I'm going to need to <laughs> masturbate. I'm going to need to <laughs> watch my favorite show even though I need, it, I need to do laundry. Like, there was just this point for me where I couldn't function as a human. Like, I went nine to five and, yeah. And then did my best to shut off
1: right. if I could. I had, during those years, I had like a much less conventional job. Um, from 22 to 26 in my life, I was a uh, freelance sports writer for the most part. Worked for a couple different newspapers, a couple websites, and like made enough money to get by. I would work like one day a week in a grocery store to like, you know, supplement it. And so. I don't know, like eventually because it's freelance work and it's not consistent, like I wanted to find something that was gonna pay me every single week. Yeah. <laughs> and uh I had wanted to find something in the city. Eventually I found it and moved here and like I'm in the same boat where you're saying, like, I feel like so much has improved since I've moved to Philadelphia, but there's still like a lot of underlying
0: Yeah. And it, you know, you go to therapy, and like, you get past one thing, and you find another, right? And then you create more. You just <laughs> oh, create yeah. that. You don't even necessarily. It's not like you went out We're and fucking you,
1: curator as far as like, yeah, yeah, like
0: I'm, I'm the fucking architect <laughs> of my own disasters. And like you, you it's not even something like I go out and get drunk with my friends and blow up and go, you
1: motherfuckers.
0: Yeah, it's I go out with my friends. And the night doesn't quite go the way I expected it to. <laughs> so I gotta tell my therapist about this for 45 minutes <laughs> when honestly the night could have changed in less than 45 if I just oh, know yeah. one thing differently. Like, and then there's just like that it's just silly shit. Like, you know, you latch on to one thing at a time, I feel like, too, especially. Like, no matter how many things uh, go wrong, like, I feel like there's always that, like, latching on to one thing for the most part. Like, at a time. And you can talk about, like, the chapters. Like, you know, you might be upset, like, oh, right now, I'm not dating anybody, and I really wish I could, and then you kind of move past that, and you're like, who cares, I don't want to date at all, and, yeah. like, somebody says, like, you should date, like, but there was news like, you should start going on dates, I'm like, no, lady, yeah. I'm not ready to date, and what oh, I was just saying is, I,
1: at that point, I, like, I was so, like, lacked so much confidence during that, because, like, you get okay, after yeah. the first, like, couple of months, first, like, I was just, there was nothing there, I was just completely out of it for a couple of years. Yeah. yeah,
0: I I once went two years without sex, and that's not to say like, oh my god, dude, But it was like, it became this waterfall of, you know, nobody likes me, nobody likes me, nobody could like me, I'm poison. If I'm with somebody, I'm only going to make their life worse. I should, you know, divest myself from people's lives. And then you hit this point point. you're like, oh, who fucking cares anymore? It hasn't yeah. happened in the last year. Like, I made it this far, I can live the rest of my life without it. Like And you have these people around you like no you could date and you're great and you're my best friend and I believe in you and you go I don't even like myself yeah and you're trying to tell me that like <laughs> and then like even if you have like a girlfriend like oh you're a great guy and a girl want to date you would you want to date you I did not say that <laughs> and that, that's not to say friend zone shit a girl no. like owes you anything what? but it's like it's it's very much that you can't believe what your friends are saying. They might be like completely honest. They might say you are the best guy I know. Anybody can date you. I've got plenty of friends that want to date you. You don't believe that shit. Yeah. And that's just like, there's so many mental games. I mean, we're talking about these pockets of time and we, you know, just started branching out in different directions of like what we're, and we're like, I'm a little manic right now. I'm talking fast. (laughs) And because mental health for me is like, Sometimes I'm excited about it when it's like this yeah. podcast. I'm like, I can talk through this and help people. And then other times it's like, Jesus Christ. Like if you make me do one more thing today, I might just break down and cry because I've created a scenario in my head that just does not end well for me. And I fully believe that I will somehow make that happen.
1: Yeah, that's totally relatable in like every way. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like it's, and you just say, oh, okay, well everybody has like, Sometimes people are negative and pessimistic. I'm like, you know, I, the big thing that started to drive me crazy, and I've talked about this a lot of friends. Is I started to have intrusive thoughts, which the example for intrusive thoughts, if you go online and read about it, and I encourage people to do, is you're standing at a train station, and there's an old lady, the train's coming, and in your head you think, I could push that old lady in front of the bus or the train, sorry. And that's like a silly example that made me laugh. Because nobody really thinks that, like, it, like, I mean, but people do, right? Like, and for I me, think, I
1: like, especially with SEPTA, I feel like that, like, yeah. that's a whole different game, like, you're obviously, I have a vendetta against them, I, yeah. I genuinely dislike <laughs> everything about SEPTA.
0: And, the, yeah, and then you might have, like, these thoughts, and most people will laugh them off, and yeah. I have intrusive thoughts, and my therapist, you know, confirmed that, but I was like, I might have OCD, too, because I get one of these intrusive thoughts in my head, and then... It grows and grows, and I think, this is who I am. This is what I'll do. And my friends will say, Cody, you, you haven't you haven't done anything. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but that monster lives inside me. It's going to come out, and it, it's going to happen, because why would I be thinking about this so much if you know it wasn't true? And then they make the good point. It's like, I think you're thinking about it so much because you don't want it to happen. Right. And it, that's what it is. It's your anxiety latches onto it because it's afraid of
1: it. For mine, it was, like, somewhat, I guess, related to work. It was almost like a work disorder. In my head, at least, that's what I felt like it was. Because I would be like, if I crash my car driving home from work right now, I don't have to go tomorrow. Yeah. That was, like, something that would pop in my head. Be like, you know, if I just veer off and hit this tree, I can get out of work the rest of the week. Like, it was to that point. Like, I wasn't suicidal. I wasn't, like, really self-destructive by any means. But it was, like, those things popped in your head, like... I always viewed it as, like, a reward for something, and it's, like...
0: Yeah, and I, I think, you know, I when I was still thinking about doing stand-up, there was this one joke I could never develop, but always stuck with me about... It just felt like the most of who I am. I always joked that, like, you could date, like, a Jersey Shore guy who's a piece of shit, and it would still be better than dating me, because I get into your brain. So you got to, like, you know, Ron from Jersey Shore, and you could be like... You're a fucking bitch Yeah You're a bit like you see that guy On the street And you're like Oh my god That's the he worst ever. Like, He's like... screaming In this woman's face like, You're a fucking bitch Yeah And I'm like That's still not as bad as me Cause you'll feel Very conflicted with me <laughs> And I will break your brain From the inside Cause that guy You can go He's a piece of shit Whatever You'll go I love Cody But I think he needs To get as far away From me as possible <laughs> One girlfriend Actually said to me One time uh, I love you But I wish I didn't which not the nicest thing you can say to no, a person. No,
1: absolutely not.
0: But at the same time, kudos to her for being able to put her emotions into words that made sense. Because <laughs> I totally agree with her. But there was, you know, I think that I am, or at least was, and I hope I'm getting better. I'm in a relationship right now. Tammy, if you're listening, this isn't me anymore. Um, but essentially, like, I felt that I was toxic because... I started to learn there's a different kind of abusive in a relationship. It's not you hit somebody. It's sometimes that you're just such an emotional drain. I don't think I was, like, belittling anybody. I right. don't think I was, like, actively trying to make somebody feel bad. But I was such a mental drain that I was toxic. And I'd have thoughts of, well, if I get hit by this car today, she can't be mad at me anymore. Because I just got hit by a car. And you got to yeah. give me some kind of, like, sympathy so for that.
1: I get into those type of things, too. Not even, like, relationship-wise, but just being, like... You know, if I was in the hospital because I got hit by a car, who would come to see me kind of thing? Oh, yeah, definitely. Who's coming
0: to my funeral? Yeah. Like, I mean, I think that's, like, one of the more cliche things is, like, people always say, uh, you know, you'd miss me if I was gone, or would you miss me if I was, like. Yeah. It's, sometimes it's not that extreme for me. It's just literally, like, you know, oh, man, like, if I had something worse happen in my day than what was happening in a relationship, I could use that as a scapegoat. And that's not healthy. I guess that's not really abusive. I really shouldn't. And that's my problem is I always extrapolate things to be that I'm the worst that I could possibly be because of this thing I've done. Whereas more I was just like, maybe I'm just kind of shitty, like not being selfish, whatever. But there was that thought of like, I don't want to really deal with these problems. Or if we had a problem, I wanted to talk about it right away. I want to fix it. I want to know right now, Justin, what is wrong? Why are you looking at me like that? Is everything okay? Can we talk about it? Can we please talk about it? I actually had one time where I was like with a girlfriend. I said, you know, is everything all right? She was, yeah, I'm just doing my homework. Is everything all right? Yeah. I was like, okay. And I'm just sitting there and I'm getting a little fidgety. I'm getting a little bit more fidgety. and My brain starts pulsating a little bit. I can feel it vibrating and I'm just like really fidgety and I'm just like, mm-hmm and she's like, what's wrong? I'm like, nothing, nothing. And I'm just, like, becoming this, like, fucking bottle rocket. And yeah. eventually it's just like, what is wrong with you? It's like,
1: I just think you're going to
0: leave me. <laughs> it's like, that's worse than the guy going, yeah, you're a well, fucking mean, yeah.
1: bitch. So like, for me, like, I, I feel that way. I've just never been the one that actually say it. So I'll, I, I'll express it in different ways than that. Like, I'll just be like... You know, I, I think the last relationship I was in, I I was more vocal than ever before as far as that kind of thing goes. But it was like, um, essentially, just me being like, "There, there seems like something's off. Something's off. What's wrong?" Yeah. Like, and like, just having to question it because, like, so many times before, I've just been complacent and been like, "Yeah, whatever. It's all in my head." Yeah, but
0: and I I've tried to be better. Saying yeah. I'm having a bad day, it's not necessarily you. I'm in my own headspace. If I start being shitty, let me know. And I don't think I'm even necessarily, like, an angry person anymore. I really was for a while. But I do get somewhat passive-aggressive. Um, but that's the funny thing is, like, we're talking about this because some people might be like, well, you guys started talking about therapy, but it's like, this is something that's been brought up in every therapy session yeah. I've had or something. <laughs> like. And there's so many different directions, and it affects every part of my life. But I want to ask you what is the weirdest thing that you've ever talked about therapy like even if it's like a, a long form thing or just one small thing i know what mine is if you prefer me to say yeah it. why
1: don't you go first because i'll think about mine for a bit. Yeah. So.
0: so one time i was in therapy and my therapist noticed me readjusting my testicles <laughs> which is something every guy does oh
1: yeah i've done it like five times since we've been sitting yeah. on the couch like
0: and i like to wear boxers and ladies boxers they're fun for the free balling, but they don't give you the support you need. You know what I'm talking about? No, you don't. Um, I will readjust it constantly because I'm I'm basically just tucking something back in. And um, she noticed that and pointed it out, which is very awkward as it is. Uh, but then she wanted to analyze it, like it might be something more. And then she's like, yeah, uh, like you know. And I was like, uh, a lot of guys do this. It was, oh, really? Why do you Why do you think guys do this? I was like, lady, I don't want to talk to you about me touching my nuts. Yeah. like really it's not that deep i'm just like and you know what now i've never touched that
1: area when i'm in there yeah, i'm like you're all oh, you're super conscious about it. you're gonna like sit on your hands yeah and well for, another obviously thing, for the stranger later that's like the
0: yeah, yeah it's perfect right? you know yeah. i walk right out of the um therapist's office and i masturbate in the hallway and that's why i had to get a new therapist office obviously because you know that one but you know that's a risky take um no but that's another thing in therapies if you're doing that thing where you're trying to really appease them, you have to watch every movement you make. Yeah. Because they know when you start, like, if you start touching your head because you're stressed out or something, they'll know right away.
1: I think, to me, like, I don't have, like, a a story that extreme. Like, I've never been, like, prompted on why I'm playing with my nuts in the therapist's (laughs) office. But, to me, like, I had, while I was still in high school, a therapist that would ask me constantly about what kind of music I was listening to. And, at the time, I was, like, a straight-up fucking emo kid. Yeah. And... I didn't want him judging me on my musical choices and like thinking that that was influencing anything so he's just like you know, so what kind of music do you listen to? And I'm bullshitting and just like jazz. Yeah. You know? And he's like, oh yeah, who do you listen to? And I was like, uh, Duke Ellington. Like, yeah. You know, uh, I love uh, the Louis Armstrong. And, like <laughs> yeah. I just started like naming like the jazzy big Mc- <laughs> jazz hands. <laughs> yeah. It was basically like you know, I wasn't talking about going on some like sabbatical to New Orleans or anything but I was just like uh just naming random jazz musicians that I like read about in textbooks probably at the time like I was 15 16 like yeah I love Lance now like I I mean I guess I can appreciate jazz a little bit it's one of those things like I strive to at some point I want to be like I know like I'm gonna be a jazz guy at some point in my life I I'm not fully there yet I still like to well, yeah, I mean,
0: I've I've held so many things back from my therapist. I've lied to my therapist, and I don't feel great about it, because I know in the end it's just fucking me up, and there's other things where I'm like, did I explain that right? Yeah. Like, And, I mean, but you you hold things back. I mean, if there's ever been a time where, like, I was having, like, suicidal thoughts for a bit, like, I didn't tell her, because you go to a different level when that happens. Like, there's a different procedure for taking care of the person who's having suicidal thoughts. Like...
1: She might Anytime. check out on you and for stuff. For me, like, there's been so many times that, like, I'll be telling, like, a long-winded story, essentially, and they'll be like, you know, did this make you feel anything, like, any type of suicidal thoughts, anything like that? And I would be like, well, to an extent, yeah, but, then like, I would feel like every single time I got to that point, you'd get the loud buzzer from, like, Family Feud. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, you'd be like, therapy's over for today. Yeah. And, like, I wouldn't get to expand on that because then the next week we'd be talking about something completely different. Yeah.
0: And it's, it's really like, you know, do I want to s- open this can of worms right now? Do yeah. I want to say this? Because it is literally time to leave. And you're asking me, so have you been having any thoughts of hurting yourself or suicide? Yeah. And you're like, it's just easier sometimes to say, not right now. You know, I'm yeah. doing a little better because... You don't, and you you know there's a lot of people waiting, like you know, and it's funny that you like you care about being polite at a moment where you're like I might want to kill myself,
1: yeah, um, but I'll do it on my own time, not on yeah, the like right,
0: and I like my therapist, is like you know you can email or call me if you're ever in crisis. So I was like, I'm aware of that, and then it's like you know there's these crisis hotlines, yeah, it's like, and it's like why didn't you call them? I'm like I don't want to bother anybody, yeah. with my problems. It's uh, like
1: I would have called at like two a.m. and like. I probably would have gotten dispatched to somewhere where it's 6 p.m. or something yeah. like somewhere else and could be lost in translation. Yeah. You know, I don't know.
0: But, it, and it's also the thing, like, I was talking to people for a bit and they are like, I was like, yeah, therapy's not really doing the thing for me right now. I'm having still some rough times. And they're like, you maybe need a new therapist. And I was like, I'm not going to do that at all. Because, like, you start to put all this stuff in one person. And of course, they could talk to whatever therapist switch yeah. to but... Jesus Christ, man. Like, <laughs> took me a year to get to this point and you're going to make me start over? Yeah. Which, I get it. Like, some, I think it makes sense to not settle for a therapist till you find one that you like. But, you know, at the same time, it's not, it, it's kind of a balancing act. You don't want to give up on something too soon either. Because that person might be close to a breakthrough for you and, like you said, you might be the one lying. It might not be working because you're not buying in. Yeah. And you can't blame that person. So it's really, like, how comfortable do you feel with this person? They don't need to be your friend necessarily, but they need to be a partner to some degree.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And for me right now, there's sometimes I'm like, I don't want to go to my therapist's office at all. Probably even more now because I'm like feeling a little better. And there's that like temptation yeah. of, oh yeah, I'm doing good enough. I'm going to, but there's no consideration actually in my mind, to give up therapy. And I, I don't know what you'd say, but I'm assuming since you're going back and I'm going, I would say anybody, if you're listening to this and you've not been to therapy and you think you might need it, I will advocate for it 10 out of 10 times, even if you're not somebody who had a PTSD moment. Like, it's just so, like, validating to go to someone and say, here's what I'm feeling, and they say, yeah, like, I get that, and I want to help you get better from this. Like,
1: during the week when I'm not at therapy, watching the Philly special over and over again, can will yeah. be like, do so much for my mental health. Yeah,
0: and, you know, I go through these waves where, like, sometimes music helps and other times I can't listen to music at all. Yeah. And you're just, you're cycling through your own coping mechanisms. You have these times where like, you might be drinking too much and it, or it might not even really, you rejoice drinking more than you think you really generally do and you might start freaking out like, I have a drinking problem like something like this and it's just because you're always testing yourself to see, is this the right thing I should be doing? Yeah. Like, there, that's the, the same thing when I'm in the therapist office. Like, is this the right thing to say? If I drink like a couple nights a week, even if I'm not getting like Plastered. It's not harming me at all. There's still this thought in my head of like, Cody, you're not supposed to drink that much. Like, you're not supposed to, you know, drink four nights out a week. But it might be like my friend's birthday. Like, you know,
1: yeah. weekend. Yeah. Is. So this week, like Sunday was my birthday. Tuesday I had company softball. Yeah. Uh, last night I had bowling and happy hour. I'm just like, and it's and summer it's too. Yeah, like, it's summer. On your couch drinking beer. And, yeah, it's
0: yeah. summer. Like in. I'm naturally going to drink more during the summer, but like I had my birthday and then traveled to Chicago for work. And I'd say probably the last, all of June and maybe a little bit in the May, I can't remember the last time I had two days in a row where I didn't drink, but I haven't gotten drunk more than like five times.
1: Yeah. I think that I'm probably about in the same boat there. Cause it's
0: just like, I'm just grabbing a beer cause I'm just kind of bored and I'm in this like rhythm of I'm drinking beer right now. But it, like, freaks me out, because I'm like, oh, my God, in this probably, rhythm, yeah, that's...
1: For the month of June, I probably got drunk, like, four times, and, like, three have been in the last, like, six days. Yeah, and they're, like, but big of Yeah, birthdays. They're, like, you gotta get drunk for your yeah, birthday. Yeah, I, I had to. Like, it was, and, you know, I couldn't turn anything down. Like, I was just... Yeah. And then, uh...
0: And, like, the thing is, getting drunk itself is not a problem. It's just that when you start to turn exactly. to alcohol I... for your problems... Right. Like, if I come home after a stressful day for, of work and want to have one beer, in theory, that's fine, but in my head, I'm like... Cody, what are you doing? Yeah. And like.
1: For me, like, I always make it a point to stop myself. I'll be like, if I'm having like rough day, same thing, come home from work, pissed off. It's like, I need a beer. But I say it like that, I need a beer. Like, yeah. And limit myself to that. Like, yeah.
0: And I think, um, you know, I'm like shifting a little bit to like where I drink Pepsi a lot. My friends know that. I love Pepsi. Cody needs a soda. He needs it right now. <laughs> And it's a comfort thing for me. My therapist uncovered that sometimes I drink Pepsi because, um, I drank it throughout my childhood, which I talked about in the river episode. It's a comfort thing for me too. Like it calms me down, even though it's caffeine.
1: I, uh, yeah, I go through, like, it's not just Pepsi, but like there's, I go through different types of soft drinks that are that same way. Yeah. So like lately it's been like any type of half and half, like tea, lemonade. We
0: talk about comfort food, like legitimately, like for somebody with depression and you can like when i was going well, like through, i'm
1: convinced i'm gonna have kidney stones within like the next month if i keep oh, up definitely. what i'm doing like
0: yeah i already had then... problems during <laughs> like i have blood all up in my pp um but you know at least if you're listening yeah ladies get this pp blood um no but there literally is this like the point where i drink pepsi a little bit when i'm stressed but there's a point where nothing was going right and it felt like the only treat of my day i remember i started drinking it right after therapy it was like my cigarette after sex for <laughs> therapy uh, but that's not good because like one, obviously it's just the health of soda. not yeah. great, but like it's a crutch for me sometimes. I had three Pepsi this week. I feel horrible about it because I was to a point where I was drinking like one a week. I noticed that I cut it out and now it's back again and I'm freaking out and freaking out makes me want to drink some more fucking Pepsi <laughs> or a beer, which is a bad replacement.
1: Yeah. That's, that's probably, that's like replacing like your cigarette after sex with like crystal meth. Yeah. Like, yeah.
0: and that's not the route I want to go down. But I also know this is just a cycle for me. It'll be fine.
1: Yeah. And I don't need to worry about that
0: until it becomes a bigger problem. But when you're in this kind of mind space, you are careful about everything. And like when I was, when I went through my initial depression, like I was going to gym like three or four times a week for six years and I'm a skinny guy. So yeah, I was skinny then. It wasn't <laughs> like I was going, I'm not saying that to brag. I wasn't like a bodybuilder. I was doing I this mental health, like negative image of myself. Like I was... You know, I was one of those people, like, I felt like I was too skinny, so that's what drove me. Had this puppy heartbreak. I stopped going for, like, a whole year. And I lost, you know, that stress relief. I lost part of my identity, like, who I was. I could say, like, oh, yeah, I'm healthy, all these things. And, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a guy who goes to the gym, but I'm also, like, that's my therapy in itself. And then I went to real therapy, and now I'm going again, but, like, I'm not bought into it. Yeah. And that sucks, because I know, like last week I didn't go at all, this week I forced myself to go for the second day of this week, and I try to go twice a week, but I know if I have one week off, it could be done for me, like, because I just don't want to do it the way I used to want to do it. it. used to be obsession for me of, like, I'm a piece of shit, if I do not go to the gym, and now it's like, I'm tired, man, let's go to the gym. Yeah, so, like,
1: I work every day, like, nine to six, and, like, I live in South Philly, and I don't want to drive to the gym and not have yeah. a parking space when i get back like i justify it to myself all the time yeah, and you there's find all sorts way. of shitty reasons for me not to go to the gym so I, I try to go on the weekends but then there's also like friends that are like hey i'm coming down to the city want to grab a beer and like yeah yeah
0: yeah and it's always like you can wake <laughs> up earlier and i'm like i've tried man i've tried waking up earlier and now i'm somehow waking up way too late i didn't even know i set my alarm to 8 15 today and i need to be at work at 9 so i was like where the hell are we gonna find this time yeah <laughs> I, just, I moved it to 825 at one point this week i left myself like 15 minutes to get ready for work and then walked there well yeah like i know you and i could go on for like hours okay. with this and that's that's what therapy is though it's like yeah this for us is you know somewhat of a therapy session it feels good to have somebody to bounce these things off of but yeah, a it's like I don't see a world, and I know my therapist said it, some people said it, like, you go to therapy for a bit, and you get through some things, and maybe it's done, I don't see a world where I'm done with therapy, like, I don't know if you feel the same way, but there's no part of me that's like, I'm going to get over all of these things, I just hope that I get a place where I I'm I think better.
1: there's, yeah, I think there's, like, wishful thinking in my head, I know it's not the right way to go, about, but, like, where I'm like, one of these days I'm not going to need to go to therapy anymore, yeah. and, like, you're always going to have that thought in your head, but it's probably the wrong thought.
0: Yeah. Um, I'd much rather just settle for the idea that I'll get to maybe a maintenance place. Where, yeah. like, I'm going to therapy knowing if I don't go, things get out of control. But I'm in a better place, things are better. And, you know, that's probably the reason why I started this podcast. Because I was like, I'm never not going to deal with these things. But maybe I can turn it into a positive some way. Yeah. And, you know, I think, you know, we've, we've talked about it a lot maybe we'll wrap it up here, but I, I want to thank you for coming on because I know for you, like you're the person, first person to reach out and say, I specifically want to be on your podcast. I want to talk about these things. Yeah. And I'd love to have you back and talk about more, but you know, how are you feeling after this? So I, I did with Tony, like a scale of one to 10. <laughs> how are you feel comfort level after talking about all this for the like first like, time really openly?
1: Yeah. So that's a, the whole uh, school thing. Cause I had, that tore me up at the time. I ended up transferring from, public school to the catholic school in the area yeah and like that was a big thing transferring midway through high school jumping into a catholic school which is kind of like clicky and all that shit like yeah and i i actually fit in pretty well like i it was a weird transition but it was a good fresh start and everything so everything worked out what are you yeah crying about about, justin (laughs) it's all for the
0: better you know um i wish somebody threatened to kill me (laughs) so i could improve my life
1: it's like, yeah, Reese Hoskins' jaw, like, now yeah. I'm looking back and I'm like, I wish somebody broke my jaw. And I, I was thinking like, that too, I was yeah. like, what could I
0: improve my life of if somebody just breaks the shit out of my jaw? Yeah,
1: um, but yeah, so, at the time, like, people that were in the school with me, at the public school, might remember the story to an extent, but even that's probably faded from a lot of their memories 12 years later. Yeah. Um... But, I went to the new school, didn't tell a fucking person about it, so, like, nobody's heard this story outside of therapy, and, like, outside of a few girls I've dated for the last 12 years, essentially. Yeah. So, like, to come on here here, and, like, open up, say all of it, like, it feels great. Like, I've been, like, you know, I usually would lay it out, like, not even early on in relationships. Like, it's usually, like, a couple months in, I'd be like, hey, look, I had some fucked up shit happen to me when I was in high school, kind of thing, and so... Yeah. But... Well,
0: yeah. I'm glad that you feel good about it now, because, you know, one thing we've learned in therapy, you're going to rebound a little bit later, and your PTSD is going to kick up, and you're going to hate yourself. So, on the that note... The good thing is
1: that school <laughs> it's summer, so there's not really school in session right now. There won't be any school shootings. Yeah, yeah. My
0: They'll just PTSD. be, apparently, post office ones, which is or, deeply... Um, ob- or uh, newspapers. Newspapers. I mean. Yeah, which so I worked
1: in the newsroom for... Great. For five, so five years. there you so. go.
0: That Justin's not escaping his PTSD. <laughs> um but no thank you for coming on I, I hope this was helpful for you to some degree on a long-term basis but we'd love to have you back um so is there anything you'd like to shout out so justin's on twitter as i said
1: at uh jalen underscore, underscore town, town. i can like get it merged together when I, like i had a twitter account for like years and then somebody stole it, it. Under, under yeah 40. i got locked uh, locked out of it and then i had to get a new account and oh, that's not
0: good yeah so i'll is that? um but you also in a band yeah. So tell we us about your band. So
1: I have a band We're called The Ethanols. I hate the name. Uh, <laughs> wow. The you really sold me on you your band. <laughs> yeah, the other dude that writes the songs with me, uh, he picked it because it's like a scientific term for vinyl and acids. And That's alcohol. awful. Alcohol. And he was like, oh, we like vinyl and alcohol. I was like, yeah, but there's acids in there too. And I'm like, I don't fuck with acid. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so recently somebody like was like, because i had the link in my twitter bio, oh yeah, yeah uh for my band and somebody was like you're in a band with 19 followers shut the fuck up and <laughs> yeah. so like i had like honestly i think that's the greatest thing anybody's ever said to me yeah. i thought it was fucking hilarious and i made it my like new bio and, yeah like, and he called you
0: justin which i've called you a couple times today because people probably don't know you but you don't get called that much at no
1: like. i honestly like outside of like family and relationships and like some co-workers, just that, like, more professional level, and, like, I've never once introduced myself as Jalen to anybody, like, I'm Justin, like, I come to you, I will be like, my name's Justin, yeah, but, like, being around other people that all know me as Jalen, like, it catches on really quick. Yeah, quickly. I'm code-ran. Yeah. That's just what so, it is.
0: Yeah, but, so, that's a, that's a whole nother Twitter thing, <laughs> we're gonna get in that, the podcast, we're gonna talk about how Twitter <laughs> has made us all mental people, but, yeah, so, he's on Twitter, you said your band link is on there, so yeah, people wanna um, check well, out. Well, it's
1: not anymore, it's just, like, referencing my, but,
0: Okay, uh, apparently you're not promoting your band anymore. No,
1: I think we're perfect to stay at 19 followers after that. Guy yeah, you know out. what? You
0: don't want to kill the joke. Yeah. But, um,
1: yeah, so you guys play in the area, I'm assuming? Yeah, Um. nothing active right now. Uh, Got so a real day job. Recording. Yeah, basically, we both work the same job, so we're uh, pretty busy the same schedule. All right, all, right. But,
0: all right, yeah, so you know, follow him on Twitter, and I guess we'll give some updates whenever he <laughs> starts uh, touring again. Um, as always, you can follow me on Twitter, at Coderan. There's also now a Twitter for the podcast, uh, at Neurotica, the pod. The reason why it's that is because there's apparently a Neurotica podcast that was existing before us, but we're going to take them down. I did not steal the guy's name, but our logo is great because River's the best and we're going to, um, win that battle. So, uh, please follow us on Twitter, continue to listen and thank you so much for listening to Neurotica.